Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. For this series, I create, present, and aggregate historical content for all to enjoy. When aggregating relevant materials, I peruse the many sources to identify what might be interesting to share with you. In the case of a pertinent audio recording, I listen to it many times before editing to fit my style and hopefully satisfy my audience. When I do turn to outside sources, I always provide attribution info during the program or in the show notes. Welcome to Historical Jesus. I'm Mark Vinette. Are the biblical scriptures trustworthy? How reliable is the Bible? Let's conclude tackling this fundamental question alongside the good folks at Pints with Aquinas. Let's talk about the Gospels. I've heard people say that in John's Gospel we see the Divine Messiah, but in Matthew, Mark, and Luke we don't. But perhaps since John was written later, people began to speak about Jesus with this divine sort of authority, and therefore we really shouldn't accept John because the other Gospels don't talk about him being divine. This problem arises from not reading the Gospels as Jews. you got to place yourself back in that first century Jewish mindset and approach this from a Jewish perspective. And if you do, you discover that Jesus is claiming to be divine all over the place in all four of the Gospels. But understandably, being a good teacher, he's subtle about it, and he kind of provides you with enough information to be able to triangulate or figure out that he's God without saying it directly, because if he says it directly, he risks arrest. And it's not that our Lord is unwilling to be arrested. He just wants to be arrested at the right time and on his terms. And so he waits till he's ready for his passion, and then he allows himself to be arrested. But he controls the situation. But let me give you some examples. A great example is the calming of the storm on the sea, which is recorded by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. If you go back to Psalm 107. Psalm 107 has a couple of lines where it says, the Lord, using the divine name, Y-H-W-H, the Lord calms the sea and stills the winds. And then you see Jesus doing that on the Sea of Galilee. And any good Jewish reader, remember the Jews recited the Psalms, memorized the Psalms, any good Jewish reader who reads that account of the stilling of the storm on the Sea of Galilee Psalm 107 is going to come to mind, and they are going to put two and two together, come up with four. Four is Jesus is God. He is the Lord from Psalm 107. Even if you're a pagan, you're going to realize that Jesus is divine because the winds were the domain of Jupiter, and the sea was Mm. the domain of Neptune. And those two guys were at least two of the top three gods in the Greco-Roman pantheon. And Jesus has just outranked Jupiter and Neptune by telling them to shut the heck up and sit down and be quiet. 
So that means Jesus' power exceeds that of Zeus and Poseidon, Jupiter, Neptune, that Jesus exercises divine power. And this is why it causes fear. And the disciples are like, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Again, the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, we have those famous six antitheses where Jesus says again and again, you have heard that it was said or mm-hmm. you've heard that it was written, but I say to you. And in six different places there, Jesus corrects either the interpretation of the law of Moses or in some instances, he corrects the law of Moses itself. Moses was regarded as a divine man or like a theos anair in Greek. They call it, scholars call it like a a man who was so close to God that divinity almost kind of flowed through him in the Jewish perspective. So there's nobody higher in the Jewish view of the world. There's no one higher than Moses, but God himself. So for Jesus to correct Moses in the Sermon on the Mount amounts to a claim to divinity. And this happens again and again. I could go into greater detail, but on virtually every chapter of Matthew, Mark, Luke, Jesus is doing things that only God can do. And again, being a good teacher, he uses a Socratic method. The Socratic method is to allow people to, as it were, get it themselves. And so he's just not making the blatant claim but providing folks with enough evidence from his miracles and from his teaching that they can figure out what's going on. I'm thinking of today's gospel, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to get up, take up your pallet and walk. Right. He identifies himself as the son of man. Daniel Mm -hmm. 7 is Mm -hmm. the son of man. You go back to Daniel chapter 7 and the son of man comes riding on the clouds. Well, what does that mean? Well, Psalm 18 says that the Lord rides on the clouds. In Greco-Roman mythology, Zeus or Jupiter rode in the clouds. In Norse mythology, it was Thor. In all these pagan religions, the chief god always rides on the clouds and controls the weather. So in Daniel 7, the son of man who comes riding on the clouds to be presented before the ancient of days, the son of man is a divine figure. And even Jewish scholars admit this. So there's Daniel Boyarin, a very famous rabbi scholar from UC Berkeley, 20 or 30 years ago, wrote an article in Harvard Theological Review pointing out that the son of man figure in Daniel 7 is a divine figure. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss. Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body, which decreases as we age. Taking Calotrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calotrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY to the code 30605 and we'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, text HISTORY, that's H-I-S-T-O-R-Y using the code 30605. People think when Jesus calls himself son of man, that it means like Joe Sixpack or John Q. Doe or something like that. Like I'm just a generic human being. That's not the meaning of the phrase. Look at Psalm 8 and what it says about the son of man. Look at how the son of man is portrayed in Daniel 7. 
If you're right about that, I would imagine that we would have a response of horror to the claim, I am the son of man. Do we see that? Right. Well, we do. At the trial at the Sanhedrin, where the high priest, Caiaphas, places Jesus under oath and says, I adjure you, tell us if you are the Christ. And Jesus says, I am, and truly I say to you, you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds in glory. This is the divine entrance of the Son of Man from Daniel 7. And then Caiaphas says, blasphemy. Well, what is blasphemy? It's like falsely claiming to be God or and so on. And so, yeah, there is this response of horror. But that could have more to do with the writing on the clouds of glory than just saying I'm the son of man. So if you're right that saying I'm the son of man yeah. means more than I'm a human like you, shouldn't we see people being bewildered at that statement all throughout? Well, they are, in a sense, bewildered by this claim that son of man, and people don't seem to understand what he means by that. Yeah. But the light comes on when he's tried uh, before the Sanhedrin. And so like a that's oh, the son of man that is, son of man is who you. This is you. what you've been meaning all this time. So it's like revelatory moment. For those who had eyes to see and ears to hear, they could have figured it out before, but it finally becomes a public recognition at our Lord's trial before the Sanhedrin. The Gospels are authentic Jewish documents. They reflect the hopes and aspirations of the people of Israel, reaching the culmination of their history. And these Jewish men who wrote the Gospels found their expectations satisfied in the person of Jesus the Messiah. And after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus the Messiah, God providentially destroyed the Jewish temple, making it impossible thereafter to practice Judaism. I agree that Judaism is true, that Judaism is a revealed religion, but it is no longer possible to practice it because we cannot any longer offer the necessary sacrifices in the temple. This is the same point that, for example, Justin Martyr pointed out to contemporary Jews of his own time period. So, can we not see in God's providence, first of all, the strong historical testimony to the reality, the miracles, the supernatural power of Jesus the Christ, which is, didn't even get to talking about Josephus, but Josephus also testifies to the miraculous powers at work in Jesus of Nazareth. The Gospels provide historical testimony to this as the fulfillment of the expectations of the prophets of Israel. And God also seems to have providentially blocked other ways of being faithful to the tradition of Israel's prophets. So this is really the only viable path still open to us to be faithful to the tradition of Israel. It's to accept that Jesus the Christ is the fulfillment of, say, Isaiah 53, and the expectations of the New Covenant in Jeremiah 31, 34, etc. And to be faithful to the Jewish tradition, the Israelite tradition, the only viable path is to accept Jesus as the Messiah that fulfilled that. Otherwise, we're left with a religion which has failed, apparently. I salute all completionists, or completists, who have experienced every episode of this series. An honor roll with their names is posted at patreon.com slash markvinette. Let me know if you are one of these amazing listeners so I can add you to the list of honor. Did you know that word of mouth is the best way to grow a podcast? It helps us expand our audience by getting us more notice and keeps us going and growing. So please, folks, spread the word to family and friends. Thank you for sharing your time with me. 